And I find it somewhat ironic, I was reflecting on this uh, as we're going into this Lenten season, that you know, growing up I used to always be an optimist. I always hoped for the greatest in life and looked forward to that. And uh, I was always disappointed, kind of like last week's Super Bowl. You know, I was just like the story of life. Um, but it's the weirdest thing, because when I converted to Christianity, really in my heart, started living for Christ, especially when I went into the priesthood, I became a real pessimist. I stopped looking for a lot of great things in this world because I was sacrificing this world now to follow Christ, and the world began to shine in a way I never saw it before. I began to fall in love with life in a way I'd never done before. I really became a true, I think, a true optimist the more I looked to heaven. And that's why I think, in reality, when we Catholics, we live Lent right, when we live our faith right, we should be the happiest people on this earth because we stop taking everything in this world so seriously when we begin to truly live for heaven. St. Augustine, he believed that Lent, this time of 40 days in the desert, it's, it most reflects what life is on earth. And it's a time for us to really turn ourselves and live not just 40 days, but our life as a perpetual Lent. He says the life of the Christian is prefigured by the Israelites who were sojourning in the desert. All of life is a temptation and a battle in, de in the desert. And heaven is represented by the promised land. Right? So Lent represents life. Easter represents heaven. He says Christians must always live this way, otherwise they will sink beneath the world's mire. It is not a simple matter of living through 40 days. Lent is the epitome of our whole life. It sounds kind of pessimistic, doesn't it? But I think that's the irony in our faith, that when we actually start living where this world is no longer the end, but even more that this world is a sort of deserts that we have to persevere and fight through, it gives us the freedom to live this world the right way. So when Christ goes into the desert today, it's, it's very brief in Mark. It's the briefest account. We don't even get to hear what those temptations were. But He just says, Jesus was in the desert and He was being tempted by the, by the devil amongst, amongst beasts and cons consoled by angels. And the writers say that that's actually a reflection of what life is. That Christ went in to reveal to us after baptism, that's when He went into the desert, what life on earth is for those who are baptized, those who follow Christ. You're in the desert. You're amongst wild beasts. But the angels are also ministering to you in the midst of that. The opposite of that, though, is the paradise, right? So this image of Christ going in the desert, it's the opposite of what happened at creation, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, but when they followed the lie of the evil one that this is supposed to be everything, that if you really want to be happy in life, you have to take from the forbidden fruit, because they listened to that and followed that temptation and tried to find their completion on earth, they actually ended up turning the, the, the paradise into a desert. And that's what we can do also when we try to find our final end in this world. 
And that's why Lent is a great call to turn ourselves to look to heaven and live this life accordingly as a sojourn towards that eternal destiny. And I think that's, again, the great irony is that when we accept life on its own terms, when we accept life as a desert, you're actually free to rejoice in it far more than anybody else. Far more than anyone who's looking for their absolute happiness here on earth. And, and I even saw, I was reading this psychological this, um, magazine from um, Modern Psychology, and uh, psychologists say that at a basic level, we are unhappy, like unhappiness is the equation, when our expectations of reality exceed our experience of reality. It's that simple. When I think I should be getting more from life or a situation than I'm actually getting, when my expectations exceed my experience, that causes unhappiness. And Shakespeare himself even said, expectation is the root of all heartbreak. The Niners are never going to get another Super Bowl, ever. <laughs> You'll never be disappointed again. As just hold that in your heart. Hopefully the Chiefs never get one either, and I'll be really happy. Um, you know, I don't, have you guys ever seen the show The Sopranos? Good for you if you have not. It's, uh, it's one of the greatest TV shows that have, has ever been, I think. It's uh, got its abundance of cursing and, and murder and nudity, violence and drugs. Aside from that, it's a really, really good show. And uh, I'm not suggesting you have to watch it, but it's really about Tony Soprano, who, who he embodies the American ideal of, of the pursuit of happiness on earth. And he's a mob boss in Jersey. He has everything. He has all the money, the power, and the pleasures that we say in America should make you happy. And his whole dilemma is that he's so unsatisfied and angry all the time. And he doesn't understand why. And he even starts having these panic attacks. So he's, he goes to a, a psychologist to start going through counseling. And so the show, it's like his life as a mobster is kind of in the background. But it's really about his internal dialogue with himself of why can I not find any happiness when I have the whole world at my hands? And at one time he's talking to his uh, psychologist and he says, you know, we're the only country in the world where the pursuit of happiness is guaranteed in writing. What a bunch of spoiled brats, you know? He goes, where's my happiness then? Why can't I find it? And his, his, uh, his psychologist just said, well, it's the pursuit that's guaranteed. That's it. You know, one day in the same episode, and I think it's to the core of kind of the drama of his life, he has this Russian maid. She has one leg because she, she came from Russia, very poor, war-ridden territory. Uh, she lost her leg from an illness when she was like seven years old. So she's poor, no children, no husband, um, but she's always just content. She's there in the background and she's happy. And Tony asked her one time, like, how can you be in any way satisfied with your lot in life with what you have. And she says something I've, I've never forgotten. She goes, you know, that's the trouble with you Americans. You expect nothing bad ever to happen when the rest of the world expects only bad to happen. And they're not disappointed. You have everything, and yet you still complain. I think that's something to think about. You know, we are more prosperous than any country, any peoples in the history, 
And yet we have more antidepressants and medications to keep us stable than any other time. So we have to ask, like, what are my expectations of reality? And we're in a country that's whole format is you pursue happiness and do whatever makes you happy in this world. But Jesus Christ, when He goes into the desert in the beginning of Lent that we're celebrating right now, it wasn't just a moment in time. He's revealing to us the nature of reality on earth, which is a desert. We're no longer in paradise. And our world has been turned into a desert because we follow the temptations of the evil one to have completion here on earth without God. That's why whenever Jesus talks about the devil, He called him a a liar and a murderer from the beginning. Because lies and death go hand in hand. In the same way that truth and life always go hand in hand. When we live according to truth, when we live according to proper expectation, we can find peace and joy. But when we live according to lies, it brings death and deserts into our life and into our world. It's a very sad fact, but the demographic with the highest um, suicide rate, you know what it is? Transgender. No one talks about that. But everyone says, you feel incomplete. You don't feel right in your body. So put all this money and all this suffering into changing your body. Then you'll be happy. They get on the other side of that. And they feel just as confused and isolated and sorrowful as they were before. And there's no answer for society to give them. So they choose the way out. Lies lead to death. In the same way, divorce is higher in our times than any time in any culture in the history of the world. At the same time when we're told that love is about a perpetual feeling of ecstasy and finding your soulmate. And yet when we believe that, then love, that marriage is no longer about myself giving to my spouse and for the good of my children, well then it leads to the death of marriage while everybody's looking for that great new high. It can even happen, you know, when we're trying to follow Jesus. If we don't have the right expectations of what relationship with Jesus Christ looks like on this earth, it can kill our relationship with Him. If I think that when I follow Jesus, I'll no longer face temptations, I'll no longer fall into sins, Right? I won't have dryness in prayer and, and things will just start making sense all the time. That's the great temptation after people come into the Catholic Church. They think that everything will just kind of be an autopilot with their life. And yet Jesus went into the desert right after baptism to show us that when we come into the church, we're really entering into battle. We're entering into the desert amongst beasts and angels. But that's the irony. It's like the whole world's trying to run away from the desert. They're trying to run away from the suffering. And yet it just causes more and more suffering to occur. And yet when we accept it as it is, then we take away the great burden that we place on this world. And then we can experience the consolations of the angels. The peace that comes in the midst of the desert. 
So just think about for yourselves as we go into this Lent, the rest of this Mass, where am I tempted? Because we're all tempted. Where am I tempted to seek my personal heaven on earth? Where's the forbidden fruit that I'm being tempted with? And it's going to be the thing that you most love. That's where God and the devil are fighting over us. The place of our life that is most important to us. So some people that can be a relationship, a romantic relationship or relationship with children. And it's like my expectations are so high on that that I can end up suffocating it. right? Or, or it could be politics. I put so much emphasis on the political systems of our country. I know more about that than I do about Christ. And I allow that to determine how I feel throughout the weeks. And it could be even be the church. You know, the people who get really upset about the scandals of the church, or the scandals in the liturgy, you know, it's because they love it very much. But perhaps we don't have the right expectation that the church is just as broken and filled with just as broken people as you find anywhere else. It could be how I look, my social status, where I'm at in life right now. Can I accept? where I am and who I am instead of always wishing for more? Can I accept the desert that life is with its incompleteness? We are unhappy when our expectations of reality exceed our experience of reality. That's true. But the inverse is also true. That we are happiest when our experience of reality exceeds our expectations. And I think that is the deepest truth of Catholicism. That's the deepest truth of our faith. It's not the desert. It's not the temptations. It's not the suffering. The deepest truth of our faith is God's mercy and presence and love in the midst of anything that we're going through in our lives. I can tell you, the more I've looked at the things in this world that I've loved, the more disappointed I've become over and over again. And yet the absolute opposite is true. The more I've looked in Jesus Christ, the more, the deeper I've gone into our faith, the more I've experienced His presence and His mercy in the midst of the deserts of life, the more I've been filled with that hope and that joy that the psalmist talks about. Your ways, O Lord, are love and truth to those who keep Your covenant. Your ways are love and truth and goodness to those who walk according to Your ways here in exile. Resolution. To live a happy Lent. Is this a depressing homily? Or like an encouraging? Because it should be <laughs> pessimistic homily, but encourages us. We should love life more. Lent reminds us of the reality of what we're doing here on earth. In the same way when someone's going into training for a great fight, you actually love the suffering that you're putting your body through because you're preparing yourself for that great day. We should love Lent. We should love the sacrifices that we're making in this time. We should even love the little bit of pain and the dryness that comes with Lent. If we truly have our minds fixed on Easter and fixed on heaven, this is our time to live this world as it was always supposed to be lived. A preparation for heaven. Because the greatest truth of all 
the greatest revelation that we have as Catholics is that we never have to walk this desert alone. The Holy Spirit drove Jesus into the desert. And the Holy Spirit is still driving Jesus into our presence in every single Mass in the most holy Eucharist on this altar. And He comes into this desert of our lives right here and now in the midst of angels and beasts in order to console us and walk with us in the midst of our own trials and temptations. That we never have to do this journey by ourselves. And when we truly realize that and take that to heart, it is an experience of reality that truly exceeds our expectations and can become the very source of our happiness, even in the midst of a desert.